So our scripture lesson is Mark 9, 38 through 50. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out, for it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a passage that is scary to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. In fact, the way that it is uh, uh, titled in my Bible here is, it just says, dire warnings. And uh, the thing is, these are dire warnings. That's what they are warnings. Uh, the thing is, Jesus uh, made it clear that what he's talking about has eternal consequences. And I want to go over this with you today. There's a lot of different things covered, and we're not going to be able to cover every aspect of all of this. But let me give you a little bit of a background, first of all. Just before this, before John uh, tells Jesus that uh, they saw somebody casting out demons in his name and uh, they stopped him from it. He said uh, that uh, he told them that anyone that wanted to be first would have to be last. Anyone that wanted to be last was going to have to be first. Anyway, it goes on and what we're talking about is the same thing that's tied up in the invitation that Jesus gave to follow him. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. And encompassed in that and in the first being last and being a servant of all is what we were talking about last week about the way of the cross. 
And that is, we should be servants of all the people around us. We should be those who are dying to self and living to God and living the sort of life that Jesus lived, where his whole life was geared toward doing what his heavenly father wanted him to do. In fact, it's just shortly before this that whenever Jesus tells his disciples that they are going to be going to Jerusalem and that he's going to be killed and then he's going to be uh, dead and he's going to be buried and then on the third day he's going to rise, Peter stops him and says, Lord, no, 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 no. That's not the way this needs to go. You need to, and remember what Jesus told him? Get thee behind me, Satan. But then, I don't know if you've noticed this part, he says, for you are a stumbling block to me. A stumbling block. And in this passage today, Jesus has also lifted a little child and set him in his lap. And and that little child is still sitting there when he says, if anyone offends, and that word offend can also be translated as causes a little one like this to stumble. And what he's talking about is stumbling blocks. And that's one thing that you see go through all of this and that ties all of this together is he's talking about us being stumbling blocks to other people, what happens to stumbling blocks. And then at the end, when he's talking about chopping off hands and stuff like that, He's talking about us being stumbling blocks to ourselves. And so what I want to talk to you about more than anything else is being a stumbling block. Looking back, many of us can identify people who've been stumbling blocks to us, can't we? In our own lives growing up, those people who maybe taught us wrong things about the Lord and caused us to go wrong directions, who taught us wrong things about the Bible, how to even see the Bible and what's in it. And those people were stumbling blocks to us. And uh, people could be stumbling blocks to us in so many ways. And it seems that many actually make a career out of uh, pinpointing those people who have been stumbling blocks in their past and so that they can blame them for the way that they are now. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it got real popular for a while and I'm probably just out of the loop. I'm sure it still is, but I've had people just talk, just, just sharing with me about just self-analyzing about how if mom hadn't done this, if, if dad hadn't talked to me like that, then I wouldn't be uh, so uh, the way I am today. But the thing is, you don't have to stay the way you are today. You can repent and change, and the Lord will help you to do that. But the thing is, if people can find a, a person to blame their behavior, their bad behavior on, they think that that takes care of it. It's there's you know whole for their families come to think of it. It's like a tradition to play the blame game. You something maybe a of the a faucet was left on in a, in a bathroom. And then, oh, this faucet's been run, it's about to overflow. You know, who did this? And they go all through the house. And finally, they find the culprit. 
And it's like that solves the problem because they found the person to blame. And I've discovered that blame doesn't really solve any problems. And my, uh, I had uh, people that have worked for me in the past that when something was wrong, I would have to tell them before we even started working on the problem. Now, I'm not trying to find out. I don't care whose fault this is. What we need to know is what happened and how do we keep it from happening again? And there's a big difference. You know, it wasn't because everybody else would think, okay, we've got the finger pointed at them now. Then, okay, all the rest of us go and you, you can just let, just let them have it, you know. But the thing is, we can all uh, make a mess up like that sometime. And so sometimes we have to talk through things and quit playing the blame game. But these people, they like to find somebody to blame in their past. And that can be helpful because it can help you to understand where you feel that you are lacking or you have a need. And then you should take do two things at that point. Forgive the person who hurt you or who made you feel deprived in some way. Forgive them. Don't harbor bitterness toward them. Instead, forgive them and then help the Lord to help you deal with the problem that you're having because of what you experienced. And uh, then you can move on. And that's a great way to be. So those people, anyway, there's a people that make a big a bunch of money out of uh, helping these people find who to point to and who to blame. That's big business. And uh, this is what I loved about Christian counseling is that, yeah, it's okay to find out and determine why you're the way you are, but where do you go from there? Just blaming them and continuing in your own sinful ways isn't right. And so I love being able to bring people to that point to where then we said, now let's, let's find out what we can do about this so we can move on. Satan's been having you run around in self-destructive circles. Now then the Lord wants to help you to move on in a creative and new way in your life. So forgive them, forget them, be freed to move on in life, looking not just forward, but looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And Jesus emphasizes the danger of stumbling blocks in a tremendous way, doesn't he? I mean, if you look at it, it's like some great surreal kung fu movie type stuff going on here. It's just incredible. I mean, you've got, he brings up fire uh, and hell and chopping off hands and stuff like that. And he's talking about just how important this, this is, both positively and negatively. Remember, one of the first things he says after John points out that they stopped this guy from uh, ministering in the name of Jesus, the first thing that uh, he points out is that this guy was doing what he could in the name of the Lord. And he's really getting on to John. I don't know if you've seen that in here, but he's, he's, he's getting on to John. Basically, he's saying, John, what you should have done was given that guy a high five 
and helped him to do his stuff better. Not just forbid him for doing that because he's on our side. You ought to be helping him along. You ought to be a stepping stone to him. And John, instead, you are a stumbling block. You have been a hindrance to him moving on in ministry for me. That's one of the first things that pops out of this. And uh, the thing is, I don't know, y'all ever watch whatever on the news? Sometimes they'll have a high speed car chase going on and it seems like they just go on forever. I just can't help but get mesmerized and wondering. Because sometimes I wonder, I wonder if they can get away. You know, they might they might actually make it. You know, anyway, you just kind of get pulled into this and you're watching them. And then you say, ah, yeah, here we go. I see them up there. They got it going now. And they pull out the mat that has the spikes in it. And it's always something. I mean, it's always a, a hairy moment where they they have to time it properly. You know, they, they run out there, they throw out that spike, and then they have to get out of the way. Why? Because they don't know which direction that car is going to go after it hits that spiked mat. And so here you got this car just barreling along and all of a sudden, and it just goes all sorts of directions. That's like a modern day stumbling block. And if you'll watch, sometimes you can see kids who are just moving on in life and they're doing just great. And then someone says a most discouraging word. Somebody berates them because they misunderstand them. And all of a sudden, it's like they've just had a spiked mat just thrown out in front of them and their whole life can just go off off course and take a different direction. Stumbling blocks can be tragic and stepping stones can be fantastic. And uh, that's one of the things that the Lord is calling us to do today is to examine our own lives and make sure that we're providing stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. Now then, Jesus is not talking about who has been a stumbling block to us, but he's warning us not to be a stumbling block to others not to be a stumbling block to other believers, but instead to be a stepping stone. And he talks, it's hidden in here, but this is whenever he says, if somebody gives you a cup of water because you're working in my name, their reward is great. There are great rewards for helping someone along in what the Lord has for them to do. That's being a stepping stone, helping someone to be the person that the Lord created them to be. And I don't mean by negatively raking them over the coals, encouraging them, helping them to move on. That's a great thing. And Jesus says the reward for that little act of kindness is tremendous in heaven. But then he talks about the damage that you do to yourself and to others by causing them to miss the way that God wants them to go, pulling them into sin, getting them off the track that God has called them to be on. 
that can be a tragedy beyond imagination to you and to them. And so he calls us to be so careful. Just think of all the different things that we see. Now, drugs can be a tremendous stumbling block. Bullies can be a tremendous stumbling block to kids. Words, the wrong words, can destroy a person. Parents who are called to raise the children that the Lord has entrusted them with to be the people that God created them to be can wind up destroying their spirits with their words. And yet the Lord wants to help them to raise their children in the right way. There are well-intended stumbling blocks Uh, People that think that they're doing the right thing, like whenever Peter was trying to discourage Jesus from going to the cross. But the thing is, that was God's plan for Jesus. Uh, There are people that want to uh, uh, spare people discomfort and uh, in church. And so they never give them the warnings in the Bible. Instead, they just present a sugar coated gospel. And in doing so, they're being, they're being stumbling blocks because they're not helping people to really see God's way and God's word and its completeness. Getting into the wrong crowd can be a stumbling block to a person no matter what age they are. The wrong friend, situations, all sorts of situations can become either a stumbling block or a stepping stone, just depending on how you do them. Now, whenever the Lord's talking about cutting off feet, cutting off hands and plucking out eyes, stop and think about that. Your hands are what you do things with. He's talking about what you do. If your actions are contrary to what the Lord wants you to do, You need to stop it. That's what he's saying. You need to cut off those actions that are wrong. Your feet. That's how you go from place to place. Where you go. You need to cut off going to those places that you know you're going to be tempted. Reminds me of the story about the little boy that asked if he could go swimming. And his uh, dad said, no, you need to not do that. You just need to get on with what I'm sending you to do and then get back here. And the little boy comes back later and he's just sopping wet. You can tell he went swimming. In fact, he's wearing his bathing suit. And his father says, I thought I told you not to go swimming. He said, you did. And uh, but it's just that I I got tempted and and, and I wound up swimming and said, so why are you wearing your bathing suit? He said, well, I figured if I was going that way, I was probably going to be tempted. And so I just decided I'd go ahead and take my bathing suit along just in case I was. Now, you see, his feet, he was going the way, he was going the wrong way, wasn't he? He was making a trip and he knew he was intending on sinning when he got there. But the thing is, a lot of us, uh, we do the same thing. We'll think, oh, no, whenever I go in here, I'm going to be tempted to do so and so. No, no, no. Oh, you know, and then we just go right into it, don't we? What the Lord's telling us to do 
Stop that. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Your eyes offending you. He's saying if your eyes are a stumbling block to you, what's the, what are your eyes? What do your eyes do? They see, they observe, they perceive, they take in. The way that you even look on other people can be a stumbling block. But all of this goes back to the heart. And that is where the stumbling block really is. You have to have your heart totally committed. And like uh, we were talking about a week or so ago, you've got to give it all to him. It starts at the very center, the very core of your being. Stumbling blocks, fantastic, fantastic. Stumbling, stepping stones are fantastic. Stumbling blocks can become stepping stones. I have seen people go through tragedy in life and go down into the very depths of degradation in life. And then there come to themselves, come to know the Lord and his real purpose for them. I think of one man in particular came back out and wound up uh, having a Bible, uh, Bible study in his home to where people would come to his home to hear about the Lord that felt that they weren't fit to go to church. They couldn't wear the right kind of clothes to church. They couldn't, they didn't think that church people would have anything to do with them. But because this man had been down even lower than them and then come back up, he had the opportunity to grab people by the hand and bring them up with him. And he wound up uh, ultimately becoming an, uh, a teacher and got a master's degree and was teaching in uh, high school. And his whole point was to catch kids that were getting ready to make a wrong turn and help them be on the right track. He turned a stumbling block and the Lord helped him turn a stumbling block where people tried to destroy him and literally did into a stepping stone that helped him to garner and get together treasure in heaven like you and I will probably never have the opportunity to pull together. Stumbling blocks and stepping stones. Well, let me wrap up with a story that uh, pretty well helps you to see how this can happen. Elizabeth Silence Bullard penned a story many years ago that I think pretty well brings this together. There's a story many years ago of an elementary teacher. Her name was Miss Thompson. And as she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. But that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Miss Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with the other children, that his clothes were messy, and that he was constantly in need of a bath. And Teddy could be unpleasant too. It got to the point where Miss Thompson would actually take delight 
in marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's and then putting a big F on the top of his papers. At the school where Ms. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records and she put Teddy's off till the last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him if steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Miss Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Miss Thompson took pains to open it uh, in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was uh, one quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day, long enough to say, Miss Thompson, today you, spell, you smelled just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching reading and writing and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. And by the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became one of her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her that she was still the best teacher he ever had, ever in his whole life. Six years went by, and she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school, third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. 
Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school, had stuck with it, and would soon graduate from college with the highest honors. He, assumed Ms. he assured Ms. Thompson that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had in his whole life. Then four years more passed and yet another letter came. This time, he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little farther. The letter explained that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had, but now his name was a little longer. The letter was signed Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story doesn't end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he'd met this girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago, and he was wondering if Miss Thompson might agree to sit in the place at the wedding that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Miss Thompson did. And guess what? She wore that bracelet the one with several rhinestones missing, and she made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Miss Thompson's ear, Thank you, Miss Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Miss Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back. She said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You are the one who taught me I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Now, you see, the death of Teddy's mom was quite a stumbling block to him. And the things that followed just helped keep him in a downward spiral. And Miss Thompson could very easily have treated him in ways that would have just helped Teddy to continue on a downward spiral in life. But instead, she chose to become a stepping stone instead of a stumbling block. And that's what the Lord's calling us to do, to look at our own lives, to examine ourselves and those people around us and ask ourselves, are we being or have we been stumbling blocks? Is the Lord calling me to be a stepping stone? Which is it? You know he wants you to be a stepping stone. I close with this little poem that I found an anonymous author. Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common folk like you and me are the builders of eternity? To each is given a bag of tools, a shapeless mass and a book of rules, and each must make ere time is flown a stumbling block 
or a stepping stone. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.